Okay, welcome to another episode of the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. For those of you who are new here, I am your host, Chris Chapinar. And today we have our fourth installment of the question and answer episodes, which I am now deciding to call Whiskey FAQ, Whiskey Frequently Frequently Asked Questions. Today's episode is going to be a question and answer episode, as I mentioned, which also means it's not a review episode. So it won't be a full review of any whiskey like we did last week. Uh, But I am drinking a whiskey. I normally do a mini mystery review with episodes like this, but for this one, I'm going to actually not do it as a mystery uh, for two reasons. First of all, I wanted to try Brothers Bond again. I was excited to try it again. And the second reason is that we have a lot of questions to get to, so I can't really spend a lot of time on the review portion. So right off the bat, what I will say is I took a sip already. Um, it's a little bit harsher than I remember it, but I do remember that it got hard, or it was harsh and then it got sweeter as I was drinking this. This is Brothers Bond bourbon. I don't think I really said it all the way through. If you were here last week, you know what it is. And uh, it was a little bit harsher this time, which did give me more of those rye vibes. Uh, I know that last time I said, well, I'm not really tasting the rye. It really does mix with that alcohol harshness. So I can see it, and I'm interested to see if it gets sweeter again again uh, throughout the episode. So we'll see what happens there. But as I mentioned, we have a lot of questions to get to. Thank you guys so much for submitting questions. Every week on my Instagram on Wednesday, I put something on my story and you can ask a question a question if you want, and I will answer said question on the show. Uh, we might get to the point where we have to start picking and choosing which questions we answer. So Uh, I'm very happy that we're getting to that point. I'm very glad that you guys all have these questions that you want me to answer. So thank you, as always, to everybody who's submitting questions. That's super exciting. I'm glad to see that people are liking the show and want to hear my opinion about these things. All right, I'm stalling. Let's get to these questions. So... The first question this week, right off the bat, which whiskey tastes like vanilla? This is a super loaded question because I don't know if you mean a vanilla-flavored whiskey or if you mean a just general whiskey that has good vanilla notes. Um, So I'm going to assume that you mean a general whiskey that has good vanilla notes. So if you want something that's actually flavored... Anything with vanilla in the name is going to taste like vanilla. Uh, Jim Beam vanilla, Crown Royal vanilla. I assume you know that already. And we're going to move to unflavored whiskeys that have notes of vanilla. Um, Or if you don't know that already, then those are your flavored whiskeys to try. So I recommend you give them a a shot. Uh, I I have had Crown Royal vanilla, and I do like it. I don't know if I've had Jim Beam vanilla, but those are just the two that came to mind. So you got a bourbon and a Canadian, uh, two pretty different whiskeys. So for unflavored whiskeys that taste like vanilla, though, I like this question actually a lot for the reason uh, that it can demonstrate something that I have a hard time explaining sometimes. Um, one of the things I have a hard time explaining is that you'll hear me say caramel all the time or vanilla all the time, and you'll hear it for all kinds of different whiskeys that are super different and that have super different flavor palettes, right? And you might think, so does all whiskey taste the same? Because you spend a good deal of time convincing us that it doesn't, Chris. And no, not all whiskey tastes the same. And this is a great way to demonstrate that. Because I can tell you that you you can have a whiskey from each of the categories, each of the main ones. Let's just stick with bourbon, uh, Irish, and scotch for the time being. You can pick one from each of those categories that tastes like vanilla, and they will taste different. And that's what's so weird, complex, and cool about whiskey. Uh, So you can definitely find multiple different types of whiskey that taste like vanilla, and they will taste like vanilla differently. That's what makes whiskey so interesting, honestly, is that you can have that type of a situation. So 
uh, to narrow it down a little bit because there are some that also don't taste like vanilla. But some that do, uh, I distinctly remember having vanilla kind of uh, with like a buttery, almost like a granola or uh, everybody always says shortbread cookie for Irish and that's super accurate um, from like Tullamore Dew. I'm going to stick to less expensive whiskeys uh, for the most part, unless somebody asks me for a more expensive whiskey. Um, or I guess if you want more expensive in the Irish category, there is Redbreast 12, which does also have like a vanilla. And when people ask about vanilla, I'm assuming you're thinking the type of vanilla that you get from an Irish, but you do get vanillas in other places. The Glenfiddich that we had last week does have a little bit of vanilla to it, and I haven't had it in a long time, but I'm fair, or I said last week for the Glenfiddich. Oh my goodness. That was probably like a month ago. Uh, but I am fairly certain that Monkey Shoulder has just a touch of vanilla uh, with some citrus uh, added to it. I always say that it's got like an orange peel to it. I recall the Japanese whiskey that we had, Suntory Whiskey Toki, did have a little bit of vanilla. It had more of like an herby earthiness, but it did have just a little bit of vanilla. And then also Maker's Mark 46 has a good amount of vanilla. Uh, It's one of the more pronounced flavors in it because of the way that they make it. And there are a lot of bourbons that have vanilla tones to them at least. Personally, I always get a stronger caramel from bourbon. But that's what I mean, where the combination of the flavors can give you a radically different flavor, even if it has the same flavors individually. The way they interact is very different. I can give you a great example of this, actually. So tonight for dinner, I had uh, roast. And something that you might not think is in a roast recipe for the, I don't know, the gravy or the, the whatever you put on the roast when you cook it, uh, there is honey in it. And you would not think that there would be honey in something like that. And it tasted really good and gave it kind of a cool sweetness with the roast. Now that tastes absolutely nothing like a roll with honey on it. But they both do taste a little bit like honey. And so that's exactly what I mean when I say that all these whiskeys have very similar notes you'll hear throughout all the different reviews. But they do all taste different at the same time. And once again, that's what's so cool about the hobby. So I think I answered your question somewhere through all of that ranting. Um, I think the vanilla that you're probably going for, you're probably going to get from an Irish because Irishes are usually accompanied by that buttery shortbread cookie that I mentioned, which is kind of like that that basic vanilla, which I think you'll like. Also, I do think Crown Royal, like just plain Crown Royal, has a pretty good vanilla to it, but it's not an overly complex drink. But I do think that vanilla or just sugary sweetness is one of the main things that I get from Crown Royal. So that's my answer. Those are my best recommendations. And I think based on what I assume the spirit of your question is that you're looking probably in the direction of an Irish, but you will get vanilla in any of the categories. So good luck trying them. And I hope you find what you're looking for and you're probably going to end up liking them all, hopefully, um, because they all, like I said, have a little bit of vanilla and they also bring something different to the table. Now, moving right along into our next question is, do I enjoy barrel strength? I, this is another one that I really like because it's something that I try to bring up and I don't always get the chance to bring up. So barrel strength or cask strength, depending on what the whiskey is aged in, means that they take the whiskey 
out of the barrel or the cask, uh, which barrels and casks look basically the same, different sizes, there are different technicalities to it. Just picture the large wood vessel that you're picturing right now. And they'll take the whiskey out of it, do whatever they do to it, but they won't water it down. They'll just put it in the barrel. And so it will be barrel or cask strength. And that means typically that it's quite a bit stronger, typically over 100 proof or 50%. Uh, and that is something that is heavily preferred by a lot of people. I want to be careful with the way that I say this. It's heavily preferred by a lot of people. And the danger in that is that I think a lot of people hear how awesome barrel strength is and how, how great it tastes. And if you're newer, it probably won't. And the distinguishing factor is, first of all, you got to get to where normal 80 proof run of the mill whiskey doesn't taste hot in order to like barrel proof. And then you have to get to where stronger whiskey doesn't taste hot. There are still some strong whiskeys that taste very spicy to me, and I've been drinking whiskey for a while. So you want to make sure that you're ready to try barrel strength and don't try it right off the bat thinking that you'll like it and then think it's disgusting uh, because I, I always advise against that for new people, especially if you in your mind you hear barrel strength and you think, oh, barrel strength is the good type, quote unquote, of whiskey. Uh, and maybe you haven't tried like normal whiskey. So you try that, you'll probably get turned away pretty quickly unless you've been drinking straight liquor for some reason for a long time. Personally, barrel strength. I do very much enjoy barrel strength. Um, I really like it. I think it's very good for every once in a while, especially on days where I feel like my palate is prepared for it. I feel like maybe maybe I just ate dinner. Uh, maybe I'm a little worn out. I Just one of those types of days, similar to how you, if you'd want a stronger cigar. Uh, it brings a lot of different flavors. And so now I want to talk about why people who say they prefer barrel strength do prefer barrel strength. And the reason for that is with the added alcohol, you typically get added complexity. And it's typically pretty enjoyable, at least in my experience, um, especially as you start getting bored with the less uh, strong types of whiskey. Uh, when you start getting bored with them, then you move to something a little bit stronger and it's a little bit more complex. It's a little bit more challenging because it's stronger. And that typically is a pretty enjoyable experience. Once again, can't say it enough if your palate is ready for it. But I do enjoy barrel strength. Anybody who feels that you're ready for it, I recommend you give it a shot. And if it turns out that you're not ready for it, my moral of the story is just don't let it scare you away from whiskey because it shouldn't. So that is my only disclaimer with trying barrel strength, but I recommend it if you have been drinking normal whiskey for a while and you want to give it a try. Moving down the list once again, we have thoughts about, I'm going to try this. All right. Whoever asked this question, if you're listening right now, I'm going to try. Okay. Aberlauer. Arberlauer. I looked it up online and I heard it and I, I was like, that's how you say it. And now that I'm trying to say it, I'm not sure if I can say it. <laughs> I think it's Arberlauer or Aberlauer. Uh, it's a type of scotch. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they at least almost exclusively have single malts. Maybe they have a blended in there, but I'm pretty certain when I looked it up, it was single malt. Uh, and they have, I think, I might be mixing up with a different whiskey that I'm about to talk about, but I think it was a 12 years, like their base whiskey. I have not had Aberlauer. Maybe you just asked this because you wanted me to say it. If you did, that's kind of cruel, but also funny. <laughs> but I have not had it, and I can't give you an honest opinion about it. I can tell you that I will add it to the list of whiskeys to try in the future. That list is getting pretty extensive based on requests that we've had from people. So once again, I might need to start getting picky and choosy with those that I will try just based solely on recommendation, at least on the show. Maybe in the future, I can start just doing TikToks for ones that people ask about. 
but I will add it to the to the whiskey list. Can't promise that it's going to be right away uh, because, like I said, there's getting to be a pretty long line. But we will have Arberlauer, Aberlauer, whatever it is, on the show, and I'll try to learn how to say it by the time we get to that episode. What I will say is, right off the bat, it looks enjoyable. I mean, just from what I can read about it, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it said it was uh, aged in sherry casks, and I'm not reading this off my tablet right now. I don't know if I'll post the clip from this show, but I'm going to show my tablet to the camera. So if I'm wrong, it's because I'm not reading it off my tablet. I looked it up previously when I got this question, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was aged in sherry casks. I think it was single malt, and I think it had a similar look to it uh, that uh, the Macallan has, not in terms of the way the bottle looks, but just in terms of the things that I saw, I guess, advertised on the bottle. Um but I, I can't remember. I think it was Speyside, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Speyside. So maybe it'll be a little bit similar to the Macallan. We'll find out eventually when we do try it. And I'm excited to try it because I've really been getting questions about scotch lately. And normally it's a lot of bourbons. So I'm very excited to get into trying these scotches a little bit and learn a little bit more about scotches along with you guys. I've, I've been pretty transparent about it before. I don't know as much about scotch as a lot of people who are like there are people who scotch is their drink kind of like there are with bourbon. If you're from America, you see this with bourbon all the time. Uh, there are a lot of people that way with scotch. So I'm excited to learn a bit more about it and really expand into that category a little bit. Now, I'm going to take another sip of this Brothers Bond straight bourbon whiskey and let you guys know what I'm thinking. So it is still a little bit more harsh than it was last time. Um, this time around on the nose, I did get that nice banana and honey that I had mentioned before. Definitely a little bit of nuttiness in there. But it tastes harsher this time than it did last time. So that's very interesting. One of those situations where I'm even shocked by it every once in a while still. Uh, one of those situations where you can try the same whiskey in two different palate conditions and it can taste totally different. And both times I had eaten dinner too, but it was different dinners and it was just different day of the week. I mean, your palate just changes all the time. So I'm very surprised by this and I'm excited to keep trying it and see what I think moving forward. But as I mentioned, we have to keep moving down this question list because we do have a lot of questions to go through today. So the next question is thoughts about storing whiskey in the freezer. Bryce and I talked a little bit about this on the ice versus no ice episode. And we talked about how the ice kind of made it a little bit harsh. And Bryce was like, I wonder what would happen if you got it cold without having ice. Uh, Cause the ice waters it down a little bit. The, the moral of that story is that it's got a similar effect to putting ice in it, but it is different cause you don't have the water. And I treat this kind of the same way that I treat having ice in my whiskey. I don't typically do it for the flavor reason. I do it for the temperature reason. Because if I want cold whiskey, then I'll either have it on ice or in the freezer. Um, so I like both. As I always mention, I definitely think, especially after that experiment Bryce and I did with the ice, I definitely like it more straight than I do uh, with ice. But it's definitely dependent on mood and if you want something cold to drink or if you want something room temperature to drink. So as I always say, and I say this all the time, if you've been listening for a while, you know what I'm about to say. It's another piece of the puzzle. And I always say that drinking a whiskey in a palate condition 
a certain way with ice or neat or out of the freezer is one piece of the puzzle. And if you want to see the picture of the puzzle, which is the profile of a specific whiskey, you need to have it all the ways. So it's just another way to drink it. And it's another knob you can turn to see uh, what effect it has. And if you like it more, there are a lot of people that like to do it that way because it gets a little bit thicker, usually almost syrupy and it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable if you want the cold, uh, feeling in your mouth. So I enjoy it. I don't do it very often. Um, I probably drink it on ice more often than I put it in the freezer, mostly because I keep all my whiskeys on my shelf at room temperature. Uh, but I recommend you give it a shot and see what you think, like I do with most of the ways to drink whiskey. Uh, so keep an open mind, give it a try, and maybe it'll be your new favorite way to drink it. Who knows? Now, the best way to store whiskey, opened and unopened. Uh, so unopened, let's just start there. Uh, you can do basically whatever you want. The whiskey's going to be fine. Just don't keep the cork wet. Don't keep it like horizontal. I actually had somebody on TikTok comment and say that they don't think they think that's a myth about the cork and they had um, a story to go with it. And if that's the truth, that's great in terms of you can keep your whiskey horizontal and it'll be okay. But if it's not the truth, then you're going to ruin a bottle of unopened whiskey. And who wants that? So unopened whiskey will last an incredibly, incredibly long time uh, as long as you keep it unopened. And when I say incredibly long time, I'm about to talk about opened whiskey. And so that'll give you some scale. Open whiskey lasts significantly less time than unopened whiskey. But it will still last like up to two years. It really depends. And it depends on how you store it. So you're asking the best way to store it. Unopened, basically the only major rule. I mean, obviously, everything I'm about to say for opened probably is a good idea. But the most major rule for unopened is don't store it on its side. Open whiskey can probably last up to two years. And it depends on how much whiskey you have drank out of the bottle. As you drink more whiskey out of the bottle, there's more air in the bottle. And the thing that damages the whiskey is the oxygen. The whiskey will start to oxidize. Some of it will evaporate out and it will change in flavor and it will change in alcohol content. And overall, it'll just get worse, especially if there's not a lot of whiskey in there. Now, some aging, people actually will do this where you'll open a whiskey bottle and let it age, quote unquote, a little bit. And you can't age whiskey in a bottle the same way you do in a barrel. But some people claim that specific whiskeys taste better after they have been opened for about a month. But the moral of the story is... In general, if you want to have the whiskey that was sealed into the bottle, your best bet is to keep the bottle sealed or to have as little air in it as possible. The other rules that go along with that are that you want to keep it out of sunlight. You want to keep it in a generally temperature-controlled room. So you don't want it to be a room that's going to fluctuate a lot. Think of it as the opposite of plants. You you know you keep plants in the sunlight in a room with a big window. You want the opposite of that. So I actually have mine on my shelf in my basement. And you probably want something similar to that. A lot of people will just keep it in a cabinet. That's perfect. Your cabinet typically is going to stay at a pretty good temperature, and it's not going to have a lot of light in it. The flip side of that with being in a cabinet is some of my cabinets that I've had, especially at the apartment I used to live at, would get really hot when I was cooking on the stove. Like the steam would make the cabinets hot. So be careful for that. Uh, but generally temperature controlled, generally light controlled, generally have as little air in the bottle as you can. If your bottle starts to get under half, you can cut that time down to like less than six months, depending. And so if your bottle's less than half full, I recommend you drink it more quickly than your other bottles. So it gets a little bit more urgent the less that you have left in your bottle. Uh, th those are the general rules for storing whiskey. Once again, unopened. There's not a lot to say other than don't let the cork rot out. 
opened, keep it temperature controlled, uh, keep it out of the sunlight and keep it with as much whiskey in it as you can. And once it gets low, obviously you're not just going to keep your bottle with whiskey in it. So as it gets low, that's when you start to drink it a little bit faster. One more tip that I have heard, and I've gotten mixed things back from people on this. Some people love it and some people think it's stupid is that you can flip your bottle upside down every once in a while and wet the cork. And they say that it seals some of the air out of it. I feel like maybe there's something to that because of the fact that if a whiskey bottle sits a really long time, I've had this, where I will go to open it and it, the cork won't be as tight as it was. And so you never know. Maybe it helps. Maybe it makes it worse. It's whatever. I've seen people online say that it rots their corks, but then I've also had people online say that you can store whiskey on its side and it won't rot the cork. So do with that information what you will. But we need to move on to the next question, and that is, why do legs matter? Do they indicate proof or flavor? Quick rundown for anybody who doesn't know. Legs are when you swirl the glass of whiskey. It's what you're looking at. Aside from the color, you're looking at the legs, and they stick to the side of the glass of whiskey. And then when the whiskey runs down, you can think how water sticks to stuff on the side. But as it runs down, whiskey will form something called legs. And these can either be narrow or wide. They can take a long time to fall or take not very long time to fall. Not a very long time to fall. <laughs> and they can also... Um, be a lot of legs or they can be really spread out throughout the glass and this will look like streaks going down the side of the glass why do legs matter is you pretty much hit the nail on the head is proof flavor and or body uh they can give you some indication of that i had a whole episode on this actually and you can you can definitely find it it's still posted um and what i said though is do they matter? They matter if you want them to matter. Like if you want to look into it and check it with all the whiskeys that you drink and start to establish patterns, then absolutely it matters. I don't think they matter a ton in terms of the experience. And I also say that it is not at all a science. Looking at the legs of a whiskey, it is absolutely an art form. Now you will start to see patterns if you try it. You'll see that some whiskeys this brother's bond I mentioned uh, didn't have a whole lot of legs and they weren't very thick and it's not aged very long and it's also low proof. So you would kind of anticipate that from a whiskey that ha or hasn't been aged long and is lower proof. As I mentioned, you'd ex anticipate it to not have very wide legs and um, th therefore not have as much body. So it's, it's a toss up as to how important it is. I'm still not very good at seeing legs and predicting what a whiskey is going to be like. It's more of an art form, but it is absolutely fun to try and to look at and try to learn about it and establish patterns from it. So give it a shot. Let me know what you think. But uh, that's my opinion on it. Now, next question. What is the most overrated whiskey you own? This is a funny one, actually. I think that's kind of funny. I was thinking about it, and I'm not sure that I know. So I got to look. Okay. There's no answer to this question that doesn't make a bunch of people mad. I think the most overrated whiskey that I own is Crown Royal, <laughs> and that might make people mad. I would probably say that for any huge name. I would probably say that for Crown Royal. I don't have any Jack Daniels right now, but Jack Daniels, uh, Crown Royal, maybe Jameson. It's on my shelf right now. Not that they're overrated because they're not good, but because they're overrated because people get so 
so enveloped in it. And it, it's just because they're such big names, you know? And I think that makes them overrated. It's one of those things where it could never live up to the hype. It's like how they say, never meet your heroes. I'll never live up to the hype. It's just like that. I mean, you hear about these whiskeys and you hear them over and over and over and over again, and people just love them. And it's nothing absolutely amazing, right? So that that's probably the most overrated one I own right now is Crown Royal. I think Jameson and Jack Daniels both still have a pretty good body to them and a pretty good complexity. I just don't get that from Crown Royal. Maybe that's just my personal palate, but I don't get a lot of body from it. Um, so that's probably the most overrated that I own. Uh, but once again, still a good whiskey, still a good sipper, uh, just overrated because it's so overhyped. It's so hyped up. The next question, single malt or blended scotch, what's your preference? If you would have asked me this probably a year ago, I would have said, I have no preference. I like them both very much. That's still the case in terms of the flavor. But I've started to take a liking to single malts the more I've been getting into scotches for the fact that they it's so neat, pun intended, neat, what people can come up with using just malted barley. I find that super interesting. It really narrows the playing field and makes you get creative especially with the aging process with the yeast with the shape of the still all the different things that go into the flavor of a whiskey and that's what i like about it but i wouldn't say that i outright like the flavor of single malts more than i like the flavor of blendeds i love them both a lot Um, but i've been intrigued especially recently with the way that single malts taste so different and their main ingredient is the same. Not necessarily exactly the same, but it's malted barley. There are different types, obviously, just like there are different strains of anything that you eat, different corn. I said strains. A lot of people probably think in weed, but hey, that's a good point. There are. Uh, same way same way with anything. So it's all malted barley though, and that's pretty cool. So that is why I've gotten into single malts. But aside from that, I wouldn't say either is outright better than the other. Uh, something that's really interesting about blending is the skill that it takes, the technique that it takes. Uh, a lot of times there will be a master blender who that's what they do. They learn, if I put this together with this, then it's going to taste like this. And they're really good at that. And so it's also an art form. Um, so I like them both for the reason that they're an art form. But recently I've been intrigued by single malts, I think. And I do think single malts get a little bit overhyped in pop culture. So I, I have to say that through my teeth a little bit because I'm like, oh, you sound kind of snobby when you're like, I only drink single malts. Uh, but I have been intrigued by them without a doubt. The next question, have you been on the Bourbon Trail tour? I have not. And you just rip my heart out with this question. No, uh, I haven't been on the Bourbon Trail tour, and I want to so badly. For those of you who don't know, the Bourbon Trail is a set of distilleries in Kentucky, uh, and it's it's called the Bourbon Trail because they're all right along the same region, and you can go visit all of them. And I actually haven't looked into it enough to know if you can purchase it all as one tour, like one pass that'll get you to all of them. I don't think it will. I think you got to book them separately, but you can do tours of all these different distilleries along the bourbon trail in Kentucky. And it's really cool. Absolutely on my bucket list. Um, my parents were actually going to go on the bourbon trail tour, not with me, but for their anniversary. Uh, I've mentioned before, my dad's super into whiskey as well. And, uh, they were going to actually go, and that was the year that COVID happened. It was June of 2020. Yeah, 2020. They were going to go, and then COVID happened, and they, they haven't had the chance to go yet. 
but I it's on my bucket list. I'm hoping here in the next couple of years I'll be able to at least go do part of it, go tour some of those distilleries. Um, I say the next couple of years just because I don't know if it will be this year. I don't know if it'll be next year. I got a lot of trips and things that I always like to try to plan. And obviously the uh, bourbon trail is not on my wife's priority list. So uh, I'm going to try to make it there though. Pretty relatively speaking pretty soon. I just took two sips of the Brothers Bond bourbon and something I can think I can say without a doubt is when your palate hasn't had it for a few minutes, it's harsh. And then the second sip is a little bit sweeter, a little bit smoother. Um, I mentioned that in the review episode, but the review episode, I was consistently drinking it. So it only got sweeter and sweeter and sweeter this time around. It's keeping its harshness because I'm staying away from it for so long. So, uh, definitely has more of those rye notes with that harshness, that spiciness that rye brings you still for sure. Banana and honey in there. Um, but a little bit harsher on the first sip and then a little bit cooler on the second. So once again, so much fun to try these things with different palate conditions. The next question is the best sugar for an old fashioned. Interesting question. So for those of you who don't know, an old fashioned is probably my favorite cocktail. uh, And that would be because it's almost entirely whiskey. (laughs) And if you've ever had somebody try an old fashioned who doesn't like whiskey, they completely cough and, and think it's disgusting. And it's pretty funny. I've done that to my friends before. They've been like, what are you drinking? I'm like, oh, it's an old fashioned. Try it. And they like freak out. Uh, so an old fashioned is almost entirely whiskey. You put a little bit of sugar and the rules for this have gotten really lax. They're getting very creative with these, which I love by the way, but it's in general sugar, a type of bitters, water or ice or something to water it down and bourbon. And then you garnish with orange and or cherry, uh, and, or orange peel, I should say. Uh, and they've been getting creative with these. And, And so what I'm about to say is that it used to be, at least when I learned what an old fashioned was, it was, you took a sugar cube and then you poured, I think it was a little bit of water down in with it. And then you poured the bourbon over that with like a dash of bitters. I don't remember. It might've been just the specific recipe that I was looking up and you'd muddle the orange cube, if I'm not mistaken, or orange cube, did I just say orange cube, the sugar cube. And at least since I've been getting into them, I've been realizing the wide spectrum of old fashions that you can have. What I mean by that is, uh, historically it's Angostura or Angostura, uh, Angostura. I don't know. I always say Angostura. Maybe I'm wrong. Bitters, uh, which is, has like a cinnamon spicy, like clove, not spicy, like harsh spicy, but like smooth spicy, uh, flavor to it. It's an alcoholic drink, but you just do a couple dashes and it's mostly aromatic does give it a little bit of flavor. Uh, but Instead of just having Angostura, you can now have, uh, I think there's orange bitters even. There's chocolate bitters. There's lavender bitters. There's cherry bitters. There are all kinds of bitters out there now, which will all give you different experiences with your old-fashioned. You also don't always have to garnish with just orange peel. A lot of times they'll put cherries with it as well. You don't have to just use bourbon. Um, It's actually almost equally as common to use rye, which will give you two different types of old fashions. And sometimes it's with or without water. Um, One of the ways that I've personally enjoyed making it, especially if you're into straight whiskey, rather than adding the water to it and the ice that comes in it, I have, I make mine, like I said, my whiskey is always room temperature and I'll stir it up with ice and then strain it out of the ice and onto a more decorative ice cube, like a uh, large sphere or a large cube. So that's the way that I typically make it. But you asked specifically about the sugar. 
I like to get a little bit creative with the sugar too, and this might be blasphemy to some people, uh, but one of my favorite ways to sweeten it is actually honey. I find that it gives it really cool flavors. And one way that I tried that I thought was a little bit especially like autumn-y, like fall-y, uh, was I used maple syrup. And I thought that was really good too. Like I said, this might be blasphemy to some people, but screw you because I drink straight whiskey too. So uh, it's not that I'm just trying to sweeten it in any way that I can. It's that I love to try weird stuff with my cocktails. And I've liked both of those ways. Um, I've also done it with just plain sugar. I don't know if I've ever done it with brown sugar. I'm sure I had to. Yeah, you know what I did back when I was at the apartment. I don't even remember what that tasted like. Um, But one of the best old fashions that I've had, I had a smoked old fashioned, by the way, uh, just recently that was really, really good. I've had them that were really bad, so that's why I mentioned that. Um, So one of my favorite old fashions that I've ever had, though, was made with, if I'm not mistaken, it was orange bitters and honey. I'm trying to remember... I think so. I think I posted a photo of it on Instagram, on the Whiskey Noobs Instagram. Um, But I've been getting a little bit more into old fashions lately. My favorite way probably has to be with the honey, even if it is blasphemy to not use just sugar. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I like that the honey has more of a flavor to it than just the sugar, which that's kind of the point of the sugar is it leaves it, it just kind of sweetens the whiskey. But then, to me, it just tastes like sweet and whiskey. Not to say I don't love old fashions with just sugar in them, um, but just to say, as of right now, I'm on a little bit of a honey kick. So that that's my answer for that. But the best sugar for an old-fashioned is the one that you like the most in an old-fashioned. So if you try it and you think, this one's really good, figure out what sugar they used and figure out what bitters they used because that's going to have a pretty big impact, especially on the smell. And when you're smelling something just as it's going into your mouth, it affects the taste a little bit. So uh, definitely focus on the type of bitters that you like, too. I've had them made pretty well with uh, cherry bitters, with Angostura, of course, and with um, chocolate bitters as well. So try it all the ways. As I always say, try it all the ways. But my favorite personally right now, honey. That, that's the way I've been liking it lately. Moving on to the next one, the cheapest whiskey that I've tasted. Now, I don't know if I'm going to know the exact correct answer for this in that I don't know if I'm going to know the cheapest whiskey that I've had. Maybe it's Old Crow. Old Crow's really cheap. It might be Old Crow. Um, but I think the cheapest whiskey that I've tasted, like put into a Glen Cairn and done a tasting of, is probably actually the Rebel Yell uh, that is the first episode of this podcast. And that's why it was, or the first review episode of this podcast. And that's why it's the first review episode of this podcast, is because it's so cheap and I still think it's pretty enjoyable, neat, that if you hate it, you can throw it away. And that's what I like about it. Um, it's probably the cheapest one that I drink straight. It's definitely not going to be the smoothest, and it's not going to be overly complex. It's just going to have that general whiskey taste. Uh, If Benchmark 8 is cheaper, then that is the cheapest, but I don't remember if it's cheaper or not. Um, But one of those two, they both have a general whiskey flavor. They both have an alcohol burn, and they're both not overly smooth. Um, But for both of their prices, they're both between 10 and 20. For those prices, they both are excellent. Um, for those prices. Can't stress that enough. Uh, But I'd say probably Rebel Bourbon or Rebel Yell is the cheapest that I've had an actual tasting of out of a Glencairn. The next question, another person that probably just wants me to pronounce this so they can make fun of me. Have I, or actually it's not have I had, it's telling me to try. Cal? Kale? 
Isla 18. I think it's Cal. Cal, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Cal Isla 18. Uh, they asked me to try it, and I want to tell you that I will, and I can't make that promise because apparently, according to the OHLQ website, they don't sell it in Ohio. Not the 18-year. I have seen the 12-year, and it is on the OHLQ website. So I might be able to get the 12-year and do it on the show. I've added it to the list of ones to try to find. But if I can't find the 18-year, then I will do the 12-year uh, and let you know what I think. For sure on a TikTok, probably on a full episode, though, since you asked through the Instagram. I'll try to answer through an episode. Uh, so I add it to the list. We'll see if I can find it. If my hunt is futile, then I will buy the 12-year and do a tasting and let you know what I think. It is another scotch for those of you who don't know. And if I'm not mistaken, this one is pretty heavily peated. So we'll see. Apparently, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm remembering correctly, when I was looking it up online, this is one that tastes a little bit unique for the fact that it's peated. But I'm interested to see if for somebody like me who doesn't drink a ton of peated scotch, that's going to be the case or if it's just going to taste like a bonfire. So we'll find out. This next question is absolutely going to be an episode because I do not have either of these, but they're both relatively inexpensive and super available. And that is, I'm glad I looked up how to pronounce this because I was going to pronounce it wrong. Chivas or Chivas or, yeah, just Chivas. (laughs) versus Johnny Walker Black. You didn't specify a Chivas, so I'm going to assume the Regal one. That's like their base, it seems like. Um, But if not, then shoot me another message before I buy it, and I will buy whichever one you say to try. Uh, Versus Johnny Walker Black. These are both blended scotches, so it'll be really interesting to compare the two. And I haven't had Chivas, but I have had Johnny Walker Black. I was not particularly fond of it, but I was also very new to whiskey at the time. This was... Probably before I had really had a glass of whiskey that throughout the entire glass, I was like, this was an enjoyable experience. I had had whiskeys before. I was like, ooh, that just tasted good. That was weird that that tasted good. But I hadn't had like a glass of good whiskey that I was like, this is great. So I'm excited to try Johnny Walker Black again because I haven't had it since then to be entirely transparent. I've had Johnny Walker Blue since then. Um, And I'm excited to compare it. So I will be having that in a future episode. It has been added to the schedule. Once again, the schedule is filling up. We're getting full of all the different whiskeys that we can add to our whiskey list before being in 2027 (laughs) with whiskeys, which I'm very grateful for. I love all the recommendations that I get. And all of the questions that I get to try, like this one. Uh, but moving on from that, because it's just going to have to be its own episode, uh, is a good slash not too expensive beginner's whiskey. So you specifically say not too expensive, which I love in this question, because not too expensive is so, so important for beginner whiskey. Because if you try something expensive, you're going to be like, it has a taste like the best kind of whiskey because it's expensive. And then you don't like it. And you're like, well, if that's the best kind of whiskey, I'm definitely not going to like the not best kind of whiskey. And then that's all you do. And I'm glad you're asking not too expensive. If you're a beginner, you should stick to not too expensive, but don't stop there. Uh, But stick to the not too expensive. I had something planned for this. Oh yeah, I remember what I had planned. What I had planned for this is beginner's whiskey. I always say to try the different types, but I always end up saying bourbon if you can only afford one. And I would say the best beginner bourbon, I always say, is Buffalo Trace. I had a whole episode about it. It's relatively inexpensive, but it's very hard to find depending on your location. So Buffalo Trace, if you can find it. I also really like Wild Turkey 101, but it's a little bit harsh because it's 101 proof. 
So if you're a beginner, you may or may not like it, but you might like it because it has a pretty good body. I also like Maker's Mark, which is kind of a like competition on TikTok, it seems. Maker's Mark versus Buffalo Trace. And I'm like, they're both really good. Uh, but whatever, to each his own. I like Four Roses. It's relatively inexpensive for bourbons. Branching out of bourbon, I like Tullamore Dew. Uh, Bushmills has some pretty good base ones, uh, which is Irish. Both of those are Irish. For scotches, I really like Monkey Shoulder for beginners. I get so many comments about how good it is on my TikTok for beginners, how this is the first one that I tasted and liked. And that is the case for me. This is the first whole bottle of whiskey that I bought. And I came back to it multiple times and I was like, this is still good. Uh, so I really like uh, Monkey Shoulder for beginners for scotches. Um, and it's relatively inexpensive, probably not going to break the bank. So any out of those that I have mentioned are going to be good for beginners and aren't going to be overly expensive. I love the question. I love that you said not too expensive. Stick to not too expensive if you're a beginner in case you don't like it because there's a good chance you won't. You know, you're going in completely blind. You don't know what kind of palate you're going to have. You don't know if you're going to love bourbon, hate bourbon, love scotch, love scotch and hate bourbon. You don't know. Uh, so stick to less expensive until you figure that out. And if you follow the whiskey list, like from the beginning, the whiskey email list, go through my episodes and see what we've drank. They were pretty much targeted to allow you to try that with some expensive ones sprinkled in for the more experienced folks who are listening to the podcast. But if you stick to cheaper ones, you'll get an idea. Now, moving down the list, we are almost to the end. What is your goal for 2022? This is a loaded question. I'm guessing you mean my goal for the podcast. Like, what do I want from the podcast for 2022? There are a lot of things that I'm probably not going to mention because I want them to be surprises when they happen. But there are a lot of things that I want to happen in 2022 with the podcast. Most importantly, I would certainly like to start making a good amount of money from it uh, because podcasting equipment and the time that you spend on podcasting is not cheap. Uh, so that would probably be my biggest goal for 2022. Did I say 2021 earlier? Anyhow, 2022. Um, and there are a couple of other things that I think are pretty exciting and I think you guys are going to like that are goals for 2022. The first one that I will say, I'll give it away, is we are going to be starting to give away some Whiskey Noobs hats on the Instagram. So if you are not following on Instagram, at whiskey underscore noobs, you're going to want to do that if you want a Whiskey Noobs hat. So far, I am the only person on the planet who has Whiskey Noobs hats. Here pretty soon, my close family and friends are going to have them. But I'm not planning to sell them as merchandise, at least not at the moment. So the only way to get them is going to be through these giveaways. And that is my first goal for 2022, which I will tell you about because it will hopefully be coming up pretty soon, actually. Uh, but the rest of the goals for 2022 will have to remain a secret. And then if I don't achieve them, there's no accountability, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, but in all reality, I want to keep them a little bit surprising. And I know there's a few different things. Some things may might go by the wayside. Some things might actually end up happening. There are a few things that I want to get kicked off in 2022. So it's a lot of exciting stuff. Make sure you're following on Instagram and maybe subscribe to the whiskey list because those people might find out about stuff a little bit early since you're on the email list. So those are my goals. Very abstract. I gave you one. That's what you get. <laughs> Second to last. This goes right with what's your goal for 2022. Is podcasting your full-time job? 
No, it is not. But I am very flattered that you think it is, that I must be doing a pretty good job of it. Podcasting is not my full-time job. It probably takes almost the amount of time of the amount of hours as a full-time job. But if it was, I would really like to uh, be a lot more engaged if it was my full-time job. Um, I'm not going to say I wouldn't want that to happen. I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, Podcasting is what I love to do. I really enjoy it. Connecting with the people who reach out to me and just meeting all the people I've met, learning all the things I've learned from people messaging me, I absolutely love it. And if it was my full-time job, I certainly wouldn't complain. But it's not my full-time job. And as I mentioned in 2022, if I make some money from it, then that's that's good too if I have some money to put back into the podcast. Because unless it's you know full-time job money, I will probably be putting the money back into the podcast and, and growing it as much as I can for you guys. Uh, but it's not my full-time job. If it was, I think you'd probably be getting a lot more content from me. So maybe that's some incentive to help spread the word. I don't know. If you really like the show, then then maybe that's the case. Um, but thank you for that question because that must mean I'm doing something right if you're curious as to whether or not it's my full-time job. The last question, last but certainly not least, you are very lucky you got this question in just before I was planning to record. I actually noticed this question on Instagram this morning, and I am recording right now, so it has been about 12 hours since I saw this question, uh, maybe 14 hours since I saw this question. And that question is, what whiskey is good with ice? Great question. The whiskey that is the best with ice is the whiskey that you like the most with ice. Uh, That is not a great way to answer that because you probably want me to say, well, this type of scotch is usually the best. And it really, really depends. I can't make a recommendation for which whiskey has the best palate because my palate's different from yours. So I really can't make a recommendation for which whiskey is the best with ice because we could have the same palate for neat whiskey and have a totally different palate for iced whiskeys, um, whiskeys on the rocks. You saw that pretty well probably if you listened to the episode with Bryce and I. Uh, you probably saw how he continued to hate it. And the more that I drank the Pendleton, I was like, this is starting to get kind of good. It's almost sweet. Uh, still has a harshness to it that I think ice tends to give whiskey. But the best whiskey to drink on ice is the one that you're going to like on ice. So I recommend that you try it. Now, one bit of guidance that I will give, since I gave you such a half answer, uh, is that I prefer ice based mostly on not the flavors, but the experience that I'm looking for, Uh, especially when it's hot outside or when I just want something cold. You know, sometimes you want like a really cold water. Same idea with whiskey. Sometimes I just want cold whiskey. Uh, So that's kind of how I use ice or for sure in my cocktails, like old fashions I always have on ice. Um, But the best whiskey to have on ice, I can't give you a specific one. The best mood to have it in, in my personal opinion, is when I want something cold, specifically like a hot day. Uh, but, or maybe not even a hot day, but just if I'm really craving like something cold, like when you'd be in the mood for ice cream versus just a cookie, cause you want that coldness, that type of a thing. That might be a little bit vague. I hope everybody has that same feeling and I don't just sound like a weirdo, but, <laughs> but I think everybody sometimes is like, I want a cold glass of water or I want to put whatever on ice water or soda or whatever. Uh, and I, that rule applies to whiskey for me. To round it out, those are all of the questions for this Whiskey FAQ. We are creeping up on the 45-minute-ish mark, if I'm not mistaken. So we're probably going to have to start cutting down the amount of questions. So make sure it's a good one. But I don't want to discourage anybody from submitting them because I love all these questions. And I think moving forward... 
at least so long as the number of questions stays manageable. If I don't, if I'm not able to answer on the podcast, I will respond to you personally. Um, I don't want anybody to think that you're going unnoticed. And when I get DMs, I might take a really long time to respond to you. But as I mentioned, podcasting isn't my full-time job, and I do get a lot of these questions, so it can be hard to get to them in time. But I just want everybody to know, especially if you're messaging me, that I do care about the things you're messaging me. And I absolutely uh, want to respond to all of them. Uh, But this can't just become a podcast where I only do FAQs. I'm going to keep it to once a month. I'm going to keep the questions to once a month, so long as you guys are asking enough questions for them. And I'm going to maybe get picky and choosy. Maybe not. We'll see. I was able to run through these pretty quick, so who knows? I love answering them. I don't want to leave any of them out. Uh, But once again, every Wednesday on Instagram, I will post on my story one of those question stickers. You can click on it and type out whatever question you want. I'll answer it on the show, and maybe I'll start answering them on Instagram as well. I guess that's the thing is if I start getting enough questions, I'll just start answering them on Instagram, and then only specific ones will make it to the show. That could be a good solution to this. Uh, but I, I can't stress enough. I appreciate so much all the questions that I've got. Everybody's just been so great, and we've had so little negativity on the Instagram and on the TikToks. Obviously, TikTok, there's always negative people, but um, – the vast overwhelming majority is not negative and it's been so great to see your guys' reaction to this and to get your guys' questions and be able to talk to you about them. So hopefully that answered all the questions thoroughly. I don't want to discourage anybody. I want to encourage you to ask these questions on Wednesdays on Instagram on the story at whiskey underscore noobs. That's all we've got for this episode. So I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure that you tell anyone you know who you think would be interested in the hobby or in the podcast. That way we can help to spread the word and continue to grow. Please also make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts and share our posts on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. Uh, it only takes a couple of minutes and it really does a lot to help spread the word and grow the podcast. Also, there is an email list for the show. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to whiskey noobspodcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put email list i will add you to the list and then you'll be updated every month with the whiskeys that we will be drinking on the show throughout the month that way you can drink right along with us and see if you're getting the same notes once again thank you so much for listening to the show the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol